Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to another episode of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. This is episode 16, and I'm your host, Rick Verbanis. And as always, I'm joined by my partner, Bob Lucius. Bob, what's going on? Oh, Rick, I have been waiting all week for tonight's show. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to. Uh, I know. I, this you know, is going to be great. It's always fun getting together and talking about comics specifically captain america uh it is a lot of fun just kind of chatting and uh we certainly enjoy having uh, our listeners um call in and uh and and leave messages on the uh the facebook page and and uh giving feedback too because it is it's a lot of fun just chatting about comic books um and with that being said uh i i think i probably just want to remind everybody about the contest we've got going on so we have just a couple more weeks of the contest, and this is, uh, we are giving away a um, volume one of the complete collection of Sam Wilson, Captain America, which is a huge uh, trade paperback that retails for thirty nine ninety nine. Uh, so that's part of the prize. And the other prize is uh, you get to be a guest on the show. You get to come on the show and uh, pick the topic. This is, I mean, it's a great prize. I mean, they're both great prizes, right? I mean, not only is the uh, the paperback, trade paperback, a fabulous prize, but I'm so excited about having the opportunity to just sit down and chat with somebody, a fellow Cap fan. I mean, not that I don't like chat with you, Rick. I mean, you know, <laughs> I hear you're, you. easy, you're easy on the eyes and easy on the ears, but you know, I, I, I'm looking for some new blood here and this is going to be great. Oh, 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 new blood, huh? Okay. All right. You got to spice up the relationship, Rick. Mm, is it getting stale already? <laughs> wow. It's only, been, it's only been a couple months. Uh, all right. So, uh, yeah. So how do you win this prize? Well, two easy ways. So one is you can go on to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review with uh, your comment. And, uh, and then let us know uh, that you've done so. Uh, or... Number two, you can take any of the posts that we do on the Captain America comic book fans Facebook group about the podcast, and you can share it on your timeline or even better, share it in a, another comic book group and uh, take a screenshot and send it my way. And we've already had a few people do that. So thank you. Uh, you are entered into the contest. And then uh, also we've got a recent uh, review on Apple Podcasts, a uh, five star. And this one comes from the initials tk and it's tk in akron and uh the title of the review is great podcast and it says really enjoying listening to rob and bob's captain america podcast okay i think he meant rick and bob pretty sure but i understand you know because you are listed as robert on the facebook page so i get it but um Anyway, so he says, really enjoying listening to Rob and Bob's Captain America podcast. Both are really knowledgeable on the subject and are interesting to listen to. Highly recommended. So thank you, TK. And um, you might want to send me a message so I know who exactly you are so I can enter you into the contest. All right. So, Bob, we've got um, also if you've been to the Facebook page, um, I put up today our calendar 
for the month of March. Uh, so it tells you uh, we've got five episodes coming out in the month of March because there are five Wednesdays. And um, so those are listed out. And starting with uh, the, uh, uh, this one, uh, well, actually, no, starting with the, the one who just uh, comes out Wednesday, March 3rd, uh, you're listening to this one, which is on um, Wednesday, March 10th. And so today, we figured we'd stick with the theme of the last episode being in 1996 and hit another Captain America uh, story that came out later in the year. But this one is a co-publisher with DC because it is a one-shot Batman and Captain America. And it was uh, written and illustrated by one other than John Byrne. I mean... What? This, I mean, this is great stuff, right? I mean, John Byrne, written and art, uh, and Batman and Captain America. I mean, come on, Rick. I know. It's uh, like when you say you can't have like two kinds of ice cream, you got to pick one, but you don't, man. You can have both. Exactly. You get both. I don't know about you, but for me, uh, my favorite character for DC uh, had always been Batman. So when this came out, and I was like, wow, it's my favorite DC character with my favorite Marvel character. Like, you know, swing, you know, can't, can't, uh, can't beat that. Plus John Byrne. I mean, you know, listen, everybody knows who John Byrne is uh, from his illustrious career going back to the, the mid seventies. Um, uh, but for those who, who may not be, you know, that familiar with, with him, uh, you know, he's well known in the Marvel community for his time on the Uncanny X-Men as co-plotter and penciler. Um, he had some really long runs uh, doing Iron Fist, Alpha Flight, uh, Avengers West Coast. Um, he did a short run on Incredible Hulk. Uh, he did uh, Namor for a couple of years a uh, very long run on the sensational She-Hulk. Uh, and, and then he's done some runs just as a writer as well. I mean, he, he wrote a thing for a while. And um, so, uh, yeah. But, you know, as Cap fans, we may uh, very much remember him for that very short nine-issue run with Roger Stern in 1980 uh, doing the Captain America series. Uh, and then for DC... Uh, he's probably best known for his time uh, on Superman and uh, that character, both in the, the series Superman and Action Comics. Uh, had a nice long run on Wonder Woman. Um, did some really cool stuff with uh, Jack Kirby's Fourth World. Uh, he, he's all kinds of things. I'm, I'm, I, I know I'm not mentioning a lot here. But um, yeah, so uh, and also during the 90s, he started to break out on uh, some of his own creator-owned stuff. So for Dark Horse Comics, he uh, well started with, um, I guess, writing uh, for Mike Mignola, uh, his Hellboy uh, miniseries back in 94. And then he did some other um, creator-owned stuff, uh, Danger Unlimited, a uh, miniseries called Babe. And then he had a really nice long run for uh, something called John Burns Next Men. And that was really cool. So here we are uh, just a couple of years after those creator owned where he now he's back with Marvel and DC doing this Elseworlds one shot. And for those who aren't familiar with Elseworlds, 
I'm going to read on the back of this. This was this was my uh, cover. This is actually my issue from 1996, first print. Uh, I don't think I've read it since then, Bob. Um, but on the back here, it has Elseworlds. In Elseworlds, heroes are taken from their usual settings and put into strange times and places. Some that have existed or might have existed and others that can't, couldn't, or shouldn't exist. The result is stories that make characters who are as familiar as yesterday seem as fresh as tomorrow. So that is what Elseworlds is. Yeah, there's some great Elseworlds titles too. I mean, some some classics, right? I mean, uh, Kingdom Come, oh, uh, yeah. Red Red Sun. I mean, just mm. great great books. So this uh, and this, uh, in my view, this rates right up there with uh, some of the best in that uh, in that imprint. Yeah, not as monumental as Kingdom Come or even say Red Sun, but I would say definitely fun. Yeah. And we're about to have yeah. some fun here. So let's yeah. let's get into this. <clears throat> so on the cover here of Batman and Captain America, uh, we have those two characters that are um, uh, charging into the night. And behind it is this skyline. Uh, it's late, late at night and, and the buildings are lit up. And in the background, you see a very classic looking uh, Batmobile. Uh, from the 40s, you know, where it has the, the Batman mask on the front and a big fin in the back. <clears throat> but uh, the, the great thing about this cover is it sort of carries around onto the back. Oh, good point. Yes, it does. Uh, so about a third of the back, uh, it does carry over. And we do see some of the other characters in the comic. Uh, we see, uh, of course, Robin and Bucky. Uh, you know, teen sidekicks. But then we see the villains of the piece. We see a Joker with a maniacal smile and a Red Skull looking as sinister as ever. And it says here, uh, to describe the story, American icons. Batman and Captain America have been thrilling readers for three generations. Now these quintessential heroes appear together for the first time and a historic comic event. So, as I mentioned before, John Byrne was is the writer and artist, uh, and then uh, Patricia Mullahill is the colorist. And let's just give credit where credit's due, right? Batman was created by Bob Kane, and Captain America created by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. And then John Byrne went on to recognize, um, and it says, to Edmund Hamilton, Jack Kirby, Stan Lee, and Dick Sprang, with thanks for the introductions. Now, when you open this up, it is quite stunning. You know, it, for those, uh, you know, who know John Byrne's work, you know him to be very detailed. Uh, he, th and this is no exception. So this is looking up at several buildings uh, in Gotham City and uh, with a, with an, uh, just a, a glow about, uh, about being in a you know, downtown city. And it's, it's a quite, quite the scene. But up in the sky is the infamous bat signal. And I'll read this first page. It says, January 1945. The grim grip of winter holds the city tight in a cocoon of cold. Those who walk the midnight streets huddle deeper into heavy coats. Faces turned from the wind. Minds filled with the harsh news from Europe. 
few, if any, lift their eyes to the brooding sky, and so deprive themselves of a sight which might raise their spirit for a moment. The city is Gotham, known throughout this great land as a seething matrix of crime and corruption, but known also for the legends of the ones who guard her streets, and who tonight are vigilant as always. Wow. That's that's a great scene setter, huh? I mean, that's poetic. It is. All right. So um, we turn the page, and here is a Joker mobile. Uh, and very much like uh, the description I gave of the Batmobile on the front of the car, of course, is a big face of the Joker. And uh, he's being chased throughout uh, the streets. And um, as he's being chased, the, the, the chase is led by a Batmobile and uh, behind are several police cars. And uh, Joker basically is looking out the window, looking back, and he, uh, he decides to try to stop the cars from chasing him by uh, leaving a little um, oil that's pumped out of the back of his car, which creates the police cars to, of course, um, uh, spin out of control. But, hey, very much like the Mach 5, uh, the Batmobile uh, has uh, all of a sudden the front of it, the, the face opens up and out comes two uh, whirly brushes that are wisping away the oil before it could get to the Batmobile's tires. And uh, do you ever, you, you, of course, you know the Mach 5, right? From Speed Racer. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, when I was a kid and I was watching Speed Racer, one of the things that always baffled me was, and I, and I, and I may have even been part of the opening credits where you see the Mach 5 going through uh, woods and it takes out these two uh, big um, saw blades that come out. Yeah. And starts chopping down the trees as it's driving. And the trees are just like flying left and right as Mach 5 is just going through the woods. And I, even as a small kid, I kept thinking to myself, he's going to hit the stumps. <laughs> right? But, yeah, I know. Yeah. Suspend your, you know, your reality. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. isn't, that, isn't that the worst? I it swear is. God, comic fans are the worst. I we know, like nitpick things like that. You know, like, well, well, that doesn't make any sense because it'll hit the stumps. But, but yeah. Oh, okay. But the, but the whole thing about the blades knocking out the trees and the yeah. fact that there's a, uh, you know, these superheroes running around in capes, you know, that, that, that one, you know, we suspend our belief, but we'll, yeah. we'll nitpick, nitpick the smallest things to death. It's funny. There's a certain age you reach where like, like the light bulbs start going on and then it takes a conscious effort to like turn the lights back off true that yeah so um uh so at this point we start to hear um robin and batman it's working batman those steel brushes are sweeping away the joker's oil slick that's one trick beaten robin but we can count on the joker to have a thousand more before the night is over that street dead ends on the docks we've got them and so uh, they're chasing uh joker's car and it does it ends on a pier and Joker's car's there, and Robin gets out, and he's running towards the car. He's outsmarted himself this time. He's trapped. Maybe, but I've learned from bitter experience never to underestimate the Joker. 
So we get to the next page. And of course, uh, the Joker is getting away. But how is he getting away? His car. Great job, John Byrne. His car doesn't like have a, a roof that opens up. No, the car splits apart. And like what I'm saying that I mean, like the left side of the car folds down left, the right side folds down right. So like you see the entire inside of the car in the seat the Joker's on is a big spring, right? And uh, <clears throat> he says, ta-ta, bad chumps. See you in the funny pages. And so Robin's like, it was all part of his plan. We never had him trapped for a second. And he'll be long gone in the darkness before we can find a boat to get after him. And sure enough, see, he's got a parachute and he's landing on a boat. So Robin goes over to the, uh, the Joker mobile and he says, uh, at least he left us the biggest break of the case. The Joker mobile has got to be crammed with clues. Don't be too sure, old chum. The Joker is a madman, but he's not a particularly careless madman. Although, what is it, Batman? Something that adds a layer to this case that I'd rather wasn't there. I think we'd better... Hey, do you hear something ticking? Get down! And there's an explosion. And then we turn to the next page, and uh, there's another explosion going on. But this is now in the war-torn Europe. And we see Captain America springing over a bunch of uh, soldiers in a battalion. And uh, what do you think of this this version of Captain America? Uh, I, hey, I liked it. I mean, to me, it's 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 like very traditional feeling, you know. Yeah. I I love it. Um, I know you like a leaner bat, uh, leaner I, Captain America. I do. I don't like the big, you know, muscle. I like the athletic, you know, sort of. Yeah. Well, super soldier, right? Uh, we have height and weight standards, man. <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> But who's he leaping over? Like you would think it would be yeah. it'd be Sergeant Fury and the Howling Commandos, but it's not. I love this. I absolutely love when I first read this, I was like, this is so awesome. I know. I saw the guy in the orange beard, and I like what well, that's a strange looking dumb dumb dugan. Yeah. But it, right. that's because it's Sergeant Rock and the Easy Company. Yeah. How cool is that? That is awesome. Now the next page. Oh, wow. Guys, if you get a chance to, to read this book just for the art, you really should, right? Because this next page is a big splash page. And when I tell you it's this gigantic uh, Nazi uh, vehicle that is, picture uh, a huge tire, right, uh, uh, with treads on it. Uh, well, actually, not even a tire. It's more like a, it is more like a tread of a tank, I'd say. And it's got to be four stories tall. Yeah. And the right? whole vehicle's inside the tread. Right. I mean, it's right. ginormous. And then on the, the outside of, of the tread uh, are these turrets that uh, are just firing away. And there's all these explosions going on. But I got to tell you, I mean, John Byrne purposely drew this to the point where it was falling like over the page, right? I mean, like there's, there's no white space on this. It, it just, it just takes up the whole thing. And then, of course, that huge Nazi symbol. So, Cap, yeah, look, you see those two little guys, two yeah. little two up on the up on the top of the of the vehicle. That's the scale of this thing. It is. It's huge. And so, Cap, Cap's not. Uh, he's not. You know, turned away by this. He's he's running towards it, and he and he's thinking to himself. This thing has more firepower than a hundred Panzer tanks. 
but it's built primarily to strike at a distance. Once I get inside the arc of those guns, the Ratsy gunners will have to poke their cowardly noses outside the armored shell if they want a shot at me. And none seem to be too willing to try that. There, my shield is virtually indestructible. Those gears won't be able to turn with it wedged in there. And sure enough, Cap's shield saves the day because this, this monstrosity, which is, I mean, like I said, it's four stories high. I mean, and, and it falls over on its side. When it falls over on its side, it looks like the size of a, uh, of a, like a, you know, a football dome, you know? I mean, it's huge. Yeah, it's towering over that village. Yeah. Uh, so Cap, Cap saves the day. And uh, uh, Sergeant Rock comes over to, uh, you know, congratulate him. And then um, in comes uh, on a, a little motorcycle. Um, uh, uh, it looks like it's uh, Bucky uh, coming in. Cap, Cap, important message from G2. What the? Bucky and I have been ordered back stateside. Some kind of top secret mission but they have all the agents they need for that kind of stuff. And Sergeant Rock says, maybe they do. But me and you are just following orders in this war, Cap. And if we start questioning these orders, where will we be? You're right, Rock. I'll go. But I'm glad I had this chance to work with you and the men of the Easy Company before this show ended. And they shake hands. So the next page, um, you see Cap and Bucky being flown back in this kind of smaller... Uh, plane, propeller plane, and um, they're supposed to circle over the uh, the uh, air airway because um, there's a priority uh, larger plane that is coming off. And so the larger plane, uh, as it's in the air, all of a sudden says, emergency, emergency, priority flight has been hijacked. Repeat, priority flight has been hijacked. Uh, and then they're like, holy moly, get after that plane. And then, uh, so it's a smaller plane, you know, it, it uh, catches up to them very quickly, but, um, you know, they're running out of fuel cause they just crossed the, you know, the Atlantic. And so cap, uh, you know, uh, says, all right, just go over top of this and, uh, I'll just, uh, jump down. And he puts the shield on his back because he needs both his hands. He says, I can't hold the shield and do what I need to do. So I don't, I don't have, I can't use a parachute and he jumps out without, uh, without a parachute. And the next page is uh, Geronimo, and there's Cap, you know, with the shield on his back, and he he grabs onto uh, the one of the wires that's on the uh, the back of the plane, and um, the one of the the enemy that's taken over the plane turns the turret and starts firing at him, uh, snaps the wire. He's hanging from the back. He's sitting duck. He's a sitting duck here, Bob. He's about to get shot down, but sure enough, somebody comes to the rescue. And uh, it is Batman coming down a rope ladder from the bat plane. And he says, uh, easy there, Captain America. I've got you now. Cap's the Batman. And so I'll just read the description here. It says, night and day they are, these two, the bright, bold champion of the American dream and the dark, mysterious Avenger of Gotham. Interesting, he called him an Avenger. Heroes they are, and warriors. And if the uniforms they wear and the methods they use are starkly different, it's because the enemies they face have been equally desperate in now, until now. 
Hey, Rick, I got a question for you before we move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, and I wondered this as I, as because this is back, uh, you know, mid late and late mid nineties, and it shows Cap jumping out of the air, aircraft without a parachute. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm wondering, what do you think was the first? This is maybe our maybe our listeners can help us out here. But what do you think was the first time Cap was rendered jumping out of an aircraft without the use of a parachute? Oh, I don't know. I I mean, to me, I mean, of course, you know, I'm reading this years later right so i'm thinking you know winter soldier movie you know that's the first thing that popped to my mind when i saw that right but, um i don't know bob maybe uh would i sometime in the the 40s the captain america comics would something like that happen i, I don't know i you know i don't know the answer to that question i'm curious because you know we take it kind of for granted now it's it's often depicted in the comics after after you know we saw it in uh, in winter soldier in, in the cinematic universe but uh, I don't recall it being used frequently, you know, in well, the hey 70s or 80s. Uh, I don't know. I know. I know. Wait a minute. We did just a few episodes ago. We did that Tale of Suspense uh, story, and he jumped out of a plane onto another plane uh, with the magnetic gloves. You're, you're right. He did. I've yeah. completely forgotten that. So it does go back to the 60s. Yes. But this predates us because this story is 1945. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so, so, uh, I guess Robin's flying the, the bat plane and he brings the cap and Batman who are still on the, still on the, um, the ladder, uh, rope ladder, uh, over top of the other plane and, uh, they, they swing in and, uh, uh, Batman, you know, comes in with a, one of his, uh, batarangs with the smoke coming out of it. And, uh, he comes in, he starts kicking and, uh, Captain America comes in as well and says, uh, say there, Batman, you look like you have enough little friends to go around. Mind if I join the party? Help yourself, Captain. And so the two of them are fighting. And uh, it says the duo of costume crime fighters, I'm sorry, crime busters, have hurled themselves into a confined space where the opposition outnumbers them by four to one. Thus, if any description term were to be used in this confrontation, it would not be, quote, fight quote massacre perhaps but for batman and captain america this is hardly a fight and it is they're actually like going to town and they're smiling they're smiling while they're beating up the bad guys it's a solid workout yeah yeah but it has a very 40s feel to it doesn't it it does yeah it does it's not that grim and dark you know stuff that probably back in 1996 when this was getting done was I mean, come on, man. The mid nineties talk about grim and dark in the comic books. That was like, you know, the, the motif. Uh, this was probably like a real fresh, uh, you know, pace, uh, to kind of change everything up. So, uh, they, uh, rescue the, the guy on the plane and it is Robert Oppenheimer. And, um, he was the guy who's connected to the Gotham project. And so what is the Gotham Project? Well, uh, we're about to find out. So they, uh, they take the plane back to the base and um, they start trying to, uh, Batman starts to try to rough up uh, the hijackers. And um, in the room, you've got Cap and Bucky and Batman and Robin and a few uh, guards. And they're trying to rough up the, uh, the guard, I mean, uh, the, the bad guys, right? And uh, they start turning into uh, Joker faces, right? And Batman's like, 
I was afraid of this, a skin patch, an experimental method of leaking slow poison into someone's body. And, and Bucky's like, holy cow, but who'd be ruthless enough to, Cap says, someone you knew all too well, unless I miss my guess, right, Batman? Someone who fancied himself the clown prince of crime? Yes, the Joker. And this is the final confirmation of what I've been dreading for days. What's that, Batman? Something that's not on your need-to-know list yet, chum. Captain, you'll excuse us. Rob and I have important matters to attend to. As do we, Batman, until we meet again. <laughs> Did you say that way Robin kept looking at me, Cap? I guess he knows who's got the better partner and the more exciting life. I love Bucky. <laughs> and, of course, the next page, he, he, he laments that as he's sitting outside waiting for Cap to get through one of his meetings with three three high-ranking military officers. And they basically say, look, you know, here's this is what the, uh, the Gotham Project is all about. Um, they tell him that uh, Bruce Wayne is someone who they suspect has something to do with Joker. So they ask Steve Rogers to guard Bruce Wayne and, or to appear as a guard so they can, he can keep an eye on him. So that sets up a... Uh, the next page, where at Stately Wan Manor, uh, we have uh, Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson there uh, talking with uh, very military personnel. And he's like, um, well, I must say, this is all very flattering, but quite unnecessary. I may be providing funding for the war effort, but I have no knowledge that could be any use of this Joker person. That may be, Mr. Wayne, but we prefer to be sure. Even if you don't know anything, your life could still be at hazard. Well, all right, as long as having private Rogers around here doesn't interfere with my busy schedule. I'll try to stay out of your way as much as I can, Mr. Wayne. And so uh, for the next few days, Bruce Wayne is busy doing Bruce Wayne stuff, right? He's, he's uh, with the ladies. He's at a board meeting. He's out driving. He's looking at his ticker tape, you know, for uh, the stock market. Uh, and uh, poor old Private Rogers is just sitting there, kind of bored out of his mind. And then the next page, we get into uh, a room where Bruce Wayne uh, is talking with uh, Dick Grayson, and they are uh, in this lounge in the library, lots of books, and, and quintessential John Byrne detail, right? I mean, it's just, I mean, you just look at the detail on the bookcase and on the fireplace, on the floor, uh, it's just tremendous. And um, so Bruce Wayne's sitting there and he's he's got his uh, hands clasped up to his mouth and he's thinking, right? And um, basically, uh, uh, Dick Grayson says, we got to do something, Bruce. You haven't let me on everything that's happening, but I'd hardly be worthy of being Robin if I couldn't figure out for myself that something big is going on, something that needs Batman. Yes, Dick, you're right. And well-meaning as he may be, Private Rogers is just in the way. And then he goes on to explain um, what they need to do and um, have to uh, to go after and, and uh, try to track down the Joker. So just then, like Private Rogers is coming up on the outside the window, and he catches the end of this conversation. Um, and he hears Bruce Wayne say, no, that would be far too dangerous. You don't have all the information I do, and I can't risk sharing it with you. Not yet. I'm just going to have to find a way to shed Private Rogers and keep my appointment with the Joker. So Rogers says, well, well, so the big brass were right. 
so he goes and starts to uh, follow Bruce Wayne, who leaves that evening, and he gets into his car, and and uh, Steve jumps on the back of the car. Um, they get into uh, uh, the Wayne Foundation building, where, again, what detail? I mean, you know, this building, the Wayne Foundation building, and then you turn the page inside. Uh, it's just, it's really impressive. And so um, Bruce Wayne goes by this uh, old uh, old looking guard. Um, he's got to be, looks like he's in his seventies here. And, um, he, he says, Oh, I've just got to sign some papers. So he goes in Rogers coming up behind him and gives him a little bit of a nerve pinch. Looks like a Vulcan, the Vulcan nerve pinch here and knocks the, the guard out. He takes the elevator as far as he can go, but it only stops, uh, at the, uh, 75th floor, not all the way to the penthouse. So he has to climb outside the building again, great detail. And um, he crashes in the window and he says, all right, Wayne, I'll just reserve, uh, relieve you of those documents. And Bruce says, what? An, I don't think so, Rogers. And he leaps over the, the, uh, the uh, table and just comes kicking at Rogers. And Steve says, wow, that's some spectacular move for a man in his shape. And he ducked. And then you, you hear uh, Bruce Wayne thinking, he moved like grease lightning. There's no way he could have anticipated my leap. Uh, and Steve's thinking, amazing. I haven't seen Wayne lift anything heavier than a martini glass, but the muscles under this cloth are hard as steel. Bruce is thinking, I've never fought anyone with his uh, native skill and cunning. This can't be a standard GI training. He's matching me move for move. And then they're both kind of thinking the same thing. Some of these moves are straight out of Akijitsu and Okanatuite. But there aren't 10 people who even know those disciplines outside the Far East. So Bruce is thinking, and they're fighting back and forth, right? This is getting close to pointless. I block every move he makes. He blocks me. He seems almost to have a slight edge. But the only man I would think who could have that would be, of course, who else would be sent to guard Bruce Wayne? And he stops him and he says, all right, Captain, I don't think we need to pursue this any further. And Steve's like, what? Oh, for if it was a snake, it would have bit me. Those fighting skills plus the Wayne fortune would go a long way toward making Batman. Welcome to Gotham. I can't think of a better ally against the Joker's latest scheme. Nor can I, Batman. I only hope the time I wasted chasing the Bruce Wayne wild goose hasn't given your Harlequin friend the time he needs to finish whatever this plan might be. So that's a, you know, hey, listen, Bob, you know, it wouldn't be a comic with a team up if they didn't have a misunderstanding and fight each other first, right? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, this, you know, this, this matchup, and this is, it's great to, uh, to just sort of go through this fight and see them matching each other's blows and nobody really quite has the advantage, can't get the advantage. But this, I mean, people have, uh, have been debating for decades who who could beat up who right cap and batman and they finally get a chance to to see the two square off and what is it it's a draw but i i i do appreciate batman finally admitting that cap had a slight edge yes now you know around this time uh there was the dc versus marvel or Marvel versus DC, depending on what issue number you got. 
And that came out in um, mid-1996. So I do believe that was a Batman versus Captain America. And uh, it, that also ended with a, with a draw or at least uncertainty. Because apparently, I remember in that story, they fought for hours. So right, it wasn't right. it wasn't just it wasn't just this right. So, um, uh, but they they fought for hours, and then um, uh, and then they, they, you know, so anyway, yeah, this is yeah. I think this was around the same time, right? And we'll be back right after this short break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, so we cut to the next page and we're in the Joker's lair. And then uh, Joker is uh, just, he's upset. He's upset because... Uh, the city has been closed down. Uh, Batman's not been around. Um, and then he's, he has somebody he has to report into, which he doesn't really like. And um, so on the, on the screen, uh, uh, so Joker says, and he, and he looks upset because, you know, he always has that smile on his face. But this, this is, uh, he's got a, a, a frown. Oh, and now just to complete my day, I suppose my mysterious little friend will want his report. Joker, report your activities. I've warned you about taking that tone with me, friend. I've lost several good men thanks to the unexpected interference of Captain America. You are not doing so well against the Batman before this, Joker. However, I will confess the arrival of Captain America is troublesome to me also. Really? And why would that be? Has there been some past occasion when you've had the big shiny shield shoved up your... That will be enough of that, Joker. When I originally contacted you, I promised you a s- s- sumptuous reward if you merely did as I told you. Did as you suggested, you mean? The Joker takes no man's orders. Still, I will grant that you have been useful so far. All the leads you've come up with have paid off one way or another, and they will continue to do so. I have now the confirmation I was awaiting. The prototype is being shipped out of Gotham tonight. With that in your possession, it will be a simple thing indeed to blackmail one million dollars out of the city. One million dollars? Ah, yes, how thoroughly delightful. And all those little zeros like bullet holes in Batman's back. Be cautious, Joker. The death of Batman is at best ancillary to our main plan. Do not let your eagerness to see your old foe undone cause you to become reckless. That way lies foolish mistakes. And so the uh, ends the call. And so um, we realize that the man who on the on the call the entire time was the Red Skull as he pulls off a mask that was covering his red mask. And one of his um, underlings says, I know it is unwise to question the wisdom of this scheme, mein Herr, but the Joker is too vital to be controlled. And Joker says, you are right. It is most unwise to question me under any circumstances. And he throws this, uh, uh, I guess it's the, the, the red skull dust into his face. 
what a pity you should not learn from your mistake. And just like the Joker gas, right, which makes everybody kind of their face convulse, the same thing happens except on this one. He's not smiling. He looks deathly afraid, and then his face turns into a red skull. So um, we cut to another page hours, uh, four hours later, and out in the snow are these uh, armored uh, you know, troops that are uh, on patrol and, and guarding a certain area. And they're told that uh, the fat boy is coming. And uh, anyway, they start laughing. And, and uh, uh, sure enough, it's the Joker's gas. And they all fall down. And so the Joker and the men come and, uh, you know, basically take their uniforms and, and pretend to be the, the guards. And then the, uh, the convoy comes up and uh, here comes out the, the, uh, the officer. And he's like, uh, you know, you need to move aside. But the Joker gas gets them too. So we cut to the next page. And it is a splash page that is fantastic. It is the Batcave. And inside the Batcave is every detail you could imagine from one John Byrne. Um, you know, it is, of course, the the Stalagman. What's the word? Stalagmites? Well, what do you, uh, stalagmites or stalags? I don't know. There's two kinds of them, but I think we should just skip right past that one, Rick. Yeah, as long as they're not Batmites. <laughs> so the, uh, but yeah, so that we've got uh, the Bat plane, the Bat car, the Bat sub. Right. And these are all in the 40s style, which is really cool. And then he's got all his props. Right. We got the big dinosaur, the big penny, the big picture of the Joker's card. Yeah. Um, but uh, and all, all the equipment. Right. And then down down below, uh, there is a little note from JB and it says special thanks to Dick Sprang. And so for those of you who don't know, Dick Sprang, uh, classic Batman artist. And this is such I mean. This is like a cross section of the Batcave. I mean, just the depth that uh, that Byrne has done here, uh, rendering the you know the different levels and the different layers of it's just it's, it's eye candy. Yeah, absolutely. Like a lot of this this story is. So Batman says, "The Joker may be the most fiendish and inventive adversary I've ever had to face." But there's no way he was the kind of network necessary to supply him with the information he's clearly been using. The very fact that I found the small scrap of plutonium in the Joker mobile points us the simple fact that Joker is not so stupid that he'd be driving around with radioactive material on his boots. Unless he didn't know what he was dealing with. You're right, Batman. Someone must be behind this scheme. And I have a sinking feeling I know who that someone might be. So the next page, we got uh, Alfred. Alfred shows up with a, uh, you know what he has in his hand? A tray of food and beverages. Because what's an Alfred without a tray, right? Um, but he doesn't have a speaking part at this time. So uh, Batman says, yes, Hitler and his little friends abandoned their own equivalent of the Gotham Project. They decided it was unworkable. But if the Nazis have found out we have a working prototype right here in Gotham City, They'd move heaven and earth to get their hands on it. They would not be above employing the likes of the Joker. Robin's like, I don't still, I still don't know what the big hush hush project is. You keep talking about Batman, but I've never known the Joker's ego to let him work for anybody, no matter what the prize. Yeah, I hate to 
agree with the shrimp here, but that doesn't sound like the Joker I've been reading about. It isn't. And all of a sudden, it's the bat signal. Commissioner Gordon's calling for Batman and Robin. So uh, Batman decides to uh, to stay and uh, work on the program that he's been running. Um, so they send uh, uh, to go see the commissioner. Robin comes through the window. And then right after Robin is Captain America swinging in. Uh, and uh, it's a Commissioner Gordon. It doesn't look like any Commissioner Gordon I've ever seen before. No, he's had uh, one too many donuts. Yes. Yes, he has. Um, and so the commissioner's like, who's this? Captain America? Uh, this is a great honor, sir. I, I've heard you were in Gotham, but no one would confirm it. A pleasure to meet you, Commissioner. Your reputation has spread far beyond the Gotham city limits. What's up, Commissioner? I just received word from the shore patrol that one of their launches was found adrift on the lake. There were five men aboard, and all were dead, dead with the hideous grins on their faces. A sure sign the Joker was involved, but why would he kill five gills guys in a shore patrol boat? Where was the boat found drifting, Commissioner? And so the Commissioner explains and shows a big map, and uh, after doing a little bit of uh, geometry here, Cap figures out that they are on their way to Washington, D.C. So they have to, uh, they have to uh, make fast. So we strike to the next page, and in that uh, Batmobile is Batman and Bucky. And by the way, I, I saw this before. Bucky's got a yellow collar instead of a red collar. I thought maybe like the colors was off, but no, it's been yellow throughout the entire thing. And if I'm not mistaken, Rick, I mean, it was originally yellow. I would not know. Back in back in the forties during Captain America comics. Well then, if that's the case, bravo, John, for your attention to detail. So uh Bucky's here. He says, uh, that's a pretty hot little wagon you've got here, Batman. Of course it wouldn't last three seconds on a real battlefield. You're quite right, Bucky. The the Batmobile was designed and built to function in an entirely different kind of war from the one you and the captain are fighting. For instance, hey, you killed the headlights. How can you steer like this? The Batmobile's windows are equipped with infrared scanners that make it easy to drive in pitch black night, as in brightest noon. Now, according to the information collated by the crime computer in the Batcave, there have been several instances of man and material moving through this area, an unusual degree of activity for an area that has been effectively shut down since the beginning of the war. And again, nice detail, right, uh, from John Byrne. I mean, if you look inside the Batmobile, uh, there's all these, um, uh, looks like circuitry, you know, in the roof of the Batmobile. I mean, I didn't need to be there, right? I mean, um, but he, he put that detail in. It looks really cool. So they, um, they get to this uh, abandoned warehouse. There's another abandoned warehouse, Bob. Where would comic stories be without abandoned warehouses? Oh, I know. You know, if this was a booming uh, economy, th th these guys would be in trouble. I don't know. So uh, they get out, and sure enough, uh, they um, uh, get attacked, right, by these uh, group of, of uh, thugs that come with uh, bats and pipes, and they're coming out of everywhere, and they start attacking. Um, and Batman says, Looks like you get to exercise your fighting mus muscles after all, Bucky. Where are they coming from? Joker must have, have the half the underworld working for him. And then we see the Red Skull with one of his uh, classic 
cigarettes and that long cigarette uh, lighter, right? Joker. And why would you think this one was one of Joker's little lairs? And then the, 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 there's this green uh, gas that comes up and hits the two of them. Next page. So we got uh, Cap and Robin on a motorcycle and they get to the Gotham Shore Patrol. And unfortunately, they find the two patrolmen dead with uh, red skull uh, faces. Um, and uh, Robin says, the Joker must be testing some new kind of Joker venom. But I don't get it. Why do you want to turn their faces red instead of white? He wouldn't. There's something going on and you're not tell talking about, Cap. Yes, something G2 and British intelligence has spent a great deal of time and effort keeping out of the press. But it confirm confirms my worst fears, Robin. The target of this scheme is almost certainly Washington, D.C. And they, they go off on their motorcycle. So we go to the next page. And uh, Batman and Robin are tied to... Uh, no, no, looks that's, Bucky. that's Bucky, Rick. Oh, <laughs> old habits die hard. Yep. <laughs> Um, so they're on this, uh, it's Bucky and Batman, and they are tied to, um, looks like a, a, a mechanic lift, right? And uh, so but, um, uh, Red Skull says, uh, are you truly so dim-witted as to have not yet deduced it as my genius that is behind the Joker's latest actions? Uh, but Herr Fledermaus, what does that mean in German, Bob? I think it means uh, the bat. Yes, because that's a flying mouse. We have not been formally introduced. I am, I know who you are, the Nazi madman who calls himself the Red Skull. In fact, it was Adolf Hitler himself who created this name and mission for me, Batman, as your own President Roosevelt ordered the creation of Captain America as a direct response to my existence. Believe what you need to get through the day, Skull. But I must admit to being as surprised as Bucky to see you stateside. I thought you preferred to run things from behind the scenes, to let your minions do your dirty work. Ordinarily, yes, I do prefer the role of planner, of general. But this particular operation requires my special attention, as did the, as did the elimination of yourself and your young partner. Even in Germany, we have heard the legends of Batman and Robin most especially of your uncanny ability to escape the most insidious traps. Alas, Robin would appear to be otherwise engaged, leaving only this poor substitute to die in his, his place. He blows his smoke uh, in Bucky's face. Nobody's dead yet, Ratsy. No, but it's only a matter of time, Bucky Barnes. The hoist to which you are the and the Batman are secured as time to descend once my men and I have reached a safe distance. The explosion this will trigger is as nothing compared to what we intend to unleash upon Washington, but it will do the job for the two of you. Farewell, Batman. In a way, you might consider this an act of kindness. I fear you would find no happiness in the world that the Third Reich will create. And just then, they drive off. And Bucky's trying to get out of the ropes, but he, he says they're too tight. How about you, Batman? Batman? And do we cut to the Red Skull? He says, stop the car. And they turn, they look, and there's a huge explosion. It is done. So the next page, 
we see Captain America and Robin on a motorcycle. Something wrong, Captain? Not sure. Just felt a chill, hey, like somebody hey, hey, stepped Rip, on my grave. Yeah. Can we, can we back up a bit? Because mm-hmm. it just struck me. Uh, you know uh, that that sort of panel there, where uh, Red Skull standing, looking back at the explosion. You notice yes. the name of the building. Do you think that is a, uh, uh, a Singer a, Company? I think it's Finger. Oh, hold on. Yes, it is Finger. So would that be one Bill Finger? I believe it is. Oh, nice call out. All right, so we go back and and um, on the motorcycles, Cap and and Robin and Robin says something wrong, Captain. Not sure. Just felt a chill, like somebody had stepped on my grave. So, hmm, you know, it is an Elseworlds story. Anything can happen. Do you think Batman and Bucky died? Cap just got a chill. So they're uh, on the motorcycle. And uh, I'm going to, Cap says, I'm going to take that as a sign that we have to get to the secret airfield all the sooner. Okay, you finally told me what the X you marked on the map meant. But according to the latest report from G2, the Joker has already snatched this bat boy thing, whatever it is. Why would he take it to the very place it was heading? It would have been much easier to, to hit a moving convoy than a heavily guarded airfield, Robin. Naturally, the Joker struck the weaker target. But the Army Air Corps has taken great pains to render that base officially non-existent and any planes that fly into or out of it. So ironically enough, that base is still the best place from which to get Fat Boy out of the city, especially since an attack now would be totally unexpected. And sure enough, the guards are uh, outside the gates, and uh, they start um, turning. Uh, you see them start joking uh, with the the gas, start laughing. And so Joker and his uh, his men start going through with all the gas, and and they're getting all these poor troopers. Ugh. So. Um, uh, so then there's this big plane that's flying over over top of the convoy. And uh, one of the, the Joker's guys says, geez, I never seen a play like that one, boss. Further proof that our little friend has money to burn. I may have to relieve him of that little toy. It'll add weight to my blackmail threat if I ever have a, if I have a delivery system. One hundred fools do not make one wise man. And the guy on the plane says, and heroism does not come from 100 cowards. That is the correct password, Joker. Of course it is. Tell me, does your mysterious employer train all his people to use the same arrogant tone? Joker's not happy with the, uh, with, uh, the Red Skull and his troops. So um, they, uh, they start to, to move stuff onto the plane. And then we see the Joker look, turn around, and he sees who he's been talking to this whole time. It's the Red Skull. And he's in his classic black uh, outfit with the, uh, you know, the, what do they call those thigh pants? You know, the, the pants that are real thick at the thighs, you oh, know? Good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're like riding pants. Yes. Right? And he's got the big uh, swastika on his chest. And uh, so the only thing is marked is the red gloves and the Red Skull. Everything else is black. I commend you for the efficiency with which way you accomplished your part of the mission. There were some who felt your reputation made you a bad risk. Ah, just what exactly is the point of that suit, fella? You're a little late for Halloween. You will not be able to get your million dollars in blackmail money, of course, 
but there are rewards awaiting you in Berlin that will make a million dollars seem like a pittance. Adolf Hitler himself intends to award you Germany's highest honors. You mean that's not just some crazy disguise? I've been working with a Nazi? But of course you, why are you so upset, Joker? From what I have read of your exploits, it seemed obvious you would make a superb Nazi. That mask must be cutting off the oxygen to your brain. I may be a criminal lunatic, but I'm an American criminal lunatic. Keep back, boys. This creep is mine. He starts to reach into his purple suit. How unfortunate such misplaced patriotism. And they both say at the same time, and now you die. And so the Red Skull is spraying his orange uh, uh, gas into Joker's face. And Joker is spraying his gas into the Red Skull's face. And they're both coughing and laughing and coughing and laughing. And And they both have tears coming from their eyes. And the Joker looks at the Red Skull. My Joker Venom, why aren't you dead? Blast the formula of my dust of death and your Venom are too much alike. And we are each immune to our own weapons. I must resort to less flamboyant methods. And just then, the jo- someone comes up behind the Joker and, and knocks him out with a wrench. Shall I finish him here, Herr Skull? No. He will be taken to Berlin to meet the fate that was always planned for him. To be paraded through the streets as an example of the kind of freakish monsters America has bred. Quickly, now get him stowed aboard. This little patamine has cost us precious minutes. You just, you, you just cannot take Red Skull at his word, can you? No, no, no. He's fiendish. So they fly towards Washington, D.C. with the fat boy. And um, next thing you know, coming up behind him is the bat plane. No, it cannot be. And you hear, we hear Cap in the cockpit with uh, with the other three. The speed you get out of this crate is very impressive, Batman. Almost as impressive as the escape. I'm still not sure how you pulled it off. Batman says, the Red Skull is a formidable foe, Bucky, but he lacks the finesse of the Joker. My Harlequin friend would, would have made sure I was really unconscious. And I was not, since I knew from the first whiff that that gas he was using was not lethal and was able to get nose plug filters out of my utility belt under the cover of my cape. You took a chance, Batman. Suppose he just ordered his men to shoot you and Bucky. That seemed unlikely. I guess the skull would want to show up the Joker by killing me in some elaborate fashion. And since I was not really unconscious, it was easy to tense my muscles so that the ropes were loose enough to slip out of once the skull and his men were gone. And it worked, which was one of the reasons I went for this scheme, Batman. It's not as if we had a lot of choice here, Captain, knowing we could not reach the airfield in time, even in the Batplane. Magnetic grapples deployed, Batman. It just made sense to warn the airmen so they'd be protected against the Joker's gas and could fake their deaths, letting him think he was getting away with Fat Boy. I only wish we could have done so uh, as much for the soldiers who really died at the hands of the Skull and Joker. Now, hold on, everybody. I'm cutting power now. And so the Batmobile lands on the, uh, the other plane with, mag- with magnets, and they have a f- uh, blowtorch, and they're cutting a circle. And uh, just as they're um, getting through, they, uh, they fire the engines, uh, which the uh, Batplane falls o- off, and it starts uh, you know, spinning, 
but uh, Batman and Cap make it through before that happens. Um, and so uh, Batman's like, Robin will handle it. And uh, Bucky, they're, they're spiraling in the Batplane. And, and Robin, do something. I am, I am. Come on, baby, you can do it. And then uh, sure enough, they the, the, the Batplane pulled through. So they're fighting. Uh, and uh, um, Batman and, and Ro- uh, Captain America are just like the last time they were in a plane. They were making short work of, the, uh, of, of everything. But uh, the Red Skull goes into the, um, uh, the bomb bay and he locks the door behind him. And so um, he says, uh, I think not, Herr Fleidermas. At this speed, we'll be over Washington City in a matter of minutes. I have severed the control cables, preventing you from closing the Bombay doors. There's nothing you can do to stop me from unleashing the power of the atom against your puny capital. Since the American government has chosen to keep this weapon a secret from the people, they will naturally assume it is some Nazi superbomb. The resultant destruction will so demoralize America that your troops will crumble before the last heroic surge of the armies of the Third Reich. And you're in the whole time Red Skull's talking to Batman through the door and Batman punches through the glass and hits the Red Skull. I think not. Was is las? Captain America has gained at least partial control of this plane. He's directing us out to sea, away from Washington. You have still lost Herr Flodermas. This bomb will contaminate everything within 50 miles of ground zero. If I leash it now, Washington will still be Eh? And at this point, the Joker is there. He's awake. We forgot the Joker was uh, put on here. And he's standing on top of the bomb, uh, which is, by the way, over an open uh, hatch. Um, And uh, he says, this little firecracker isn't going anywhere, Smiley. I'm going to smash the mechanism that lowers the bomb for dropping. Joker, you fool, you cannot thwart me now. And he fires at him with a gun. Any time an American can thwart a Nazi rat will be the day your pal Hitler wins Miss Congeliality. And he throws the wrench and knocks the gun out of Red Skull's hand. So the Red Skull is forced to go on top of the bomb to start fighting with the, with the Joker. Schweind, it is your madness. So complete you cannot see this battle is already lost. You are nothing more than a criminal clown, Joker. Well, I was trained by the, by the Führer himself to be Germany's greatest warrior. Yeah? Well, I always buy American myself. Now give up, Skull, and maybe I'll let Batman put you in a nice cozy cell for the rest of the war. Never. I will... Ach, nein! And it breaks. The thing, the, the, the hoist that was holding the bomb broke. And so they both fall in this big two-thirds page splash. And you see the look of terror on both of their faces as the bomb, the fat boy falls batman comes up to the cockpit where captain is now flying the plane captain we have a problem maybe not the incredible speed of this nazi warbird has carried us away out over the atlantic but the sheer force of these jets make the plane want to go in a straight line and what we need to do right now is climb let me help feels like this joystick is starting to bend but the nose is rising only a little we did it just in time and the plane shoots straight up next page full splash huge atom bomb but the bat plane is flying away and as it's flying 
uh, it gets hit with uh, some of the uh, uh, the blast of the bomb. Um, but they 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 lose some controls, but they uh, end up landing. Um, and they uh, they hear from uh, Robin and uh, Bucky who have landed the bat plane, and they're radioing in. And they know they're safe. Uh, Bucky says, "But where are you guys? And what was that hellacious light?" Cap says, "The dawn of a new age, Bucky. A wondrous, terrible new age. But at least we've been seen the last of the Joker and the Red Skull. You don't really believe that, do you?" And Cap and Batman look at each other. No, Captain. I'm afraid I don't. And that is the end of the story. But wait, we have an epilogue. We have an epilogue. It says, the North Atlantic, 20 years later. And you remember that bat sub we saw in the bat cave? Here it is. It's out in the water. Looks like the Joker Jr. has given us the slip this time, Bruce. I'm afraid you're right, Dick, but what is it, Bruce? And we, we see Batman, but he, he has more of a more of a 60s uh, look to him, right? The, the, the outfit is more of late 60s, early 70s right, kind of. Right. Uh, Jim Apero kind of um, maybe Neil Adams kind of look, right? Right, right. Um, exactly. And then Robin, he, he looks the same, but his hair is different. It's like blonde. Sonar is picking up a weird uh, – and, and by the way, why is Batman – uh, named Dick, and he's saying Bruce is Robin. That's weird, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Sonar is picking up a weird cavitation in that ice flow dead ahead. It it almost reads like some something biological trapped in the ice. Could be a little surprise Joker Jr. left for us. Let's play along for a bit, but be ready for anything. And so they, they grab the uh, the ice, and they bring it in. It's a man, all right. Dick, according to these readings, he's He's still alive. He's more than that. Look, it can't be. And we turn the page, and it's it's Steve Rogers in his uh, uh, military uniform, but underneath him uh, is his cap uniform, and he's got his mask off and his shield on his back. And Batman says, and yet it must be. The shield, the mask with the proud letter A on it. Dick, he's coming around, and he sits up. Bucky, no. Batman grabs him. Cap, no easy. You're among friends. What? Batman and Robin? Yes and, and no, Captain. I'm Dick Grayson. I took over when Batman retired a few years back. And I'm Bruce Wayne Jr., the son of the original Batman. And then we cut to um, the, the last two panels of the story. And we're back in the Batcave. And we see the three of those, plus an older more distinguished looking Bruce Wayne. He's got a little gray in the temples and some wrinkles. And we see an older uh, Alfred. What's Alfred carrying? He's got Trey. Same, same coffee service. Yes. I think it's a, it's a little uh, updated though. A little yeah. updated, but he's got some cookies. And then uh, in the, uh, uh, we have Bruce speaking. And that's the whole story. As near as we can figure it, Cap. You disappeared just before the end of the war. Somehow, you must have been frozen in an ice since. It's incredible. And Alfred says, It's more than that, sir, if I may be so bold. It is providence, Master Stephen, that you should be returned to us now, just when the world has need of such a man as you. 
And Bruce says, here, here. Welcome back, Captain America. And um, there's a little note from uh, John Byrne. It says, special thanks to rascally Roger Stern for suggesting this epilogue. And as we all know, Roger Stern was John Byrne's partner on the uh, Captain America series. Yeah, that was a fun, that was a fun little twist there at the end, that epilogue. And it's Elseworlds, right? So anything could happen. Yeah, and you know what happened from this story? Um, was uh, with that, uh, I guess we have Roger Stern to thank for the Elseworlds miniseries that came from this a few years later, right? Because uh, it was um, Batman and Superman Generations. Do you remember those? I, I don't think I've read those, Rick. So they're pretty cool. Uh, it was, um, the first one came out in early 1999 um and it was uh, uh four issues and it was called um superman and batman generations and then uh they did a he did and he again wrote and drew it and then he did a another one um uh i guess that was in 2001 and then that was four issues and then he did a third one uh which was 12 issues that ran in 2003 2004 so, and what was really cool about this was there was no comic book time, right? And, uh, and when I, and, and for those at home, I'm using air quotes, comic book time. So we all know what that means, right? It's like, you know, everything happened, you know, six years ago when it really has been 40 years of stories. Um, so what, what John Byrne did was he, he aged everybody as if they would. So he took the stories from the 40s. And then uh, where they were introduced, and then as they got older, their their proteges became the new versions, and uh, it was generations and generations. So it was a uh, it was an interesting Elseworld story. So it was sparked here. I'll be damned! I never knew that. I'm gonna have to check that out. That sounds uh, sounds interesting. Yeah. So Bob, what'd you think of the story? I love this story, Rick. I, it's just a fun it's just a fun read, man. Just the the characters and the way they play off each other. Uh, and it works, you know, I think it works great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, as I mentioned, you know, you have my favorite Marvel, my favorite DC character, you got the, the sidekicks and you got their arch enemies, right? So John Byrne had a lot of fun with this. You could tell, you could just tell how much love he put into this, um, with, with the art that he did. Um, and it was certainly a, an homage to, the stories that came before him, you know, when he was a kid uh, and just, you know, the old Batman stories. And even for that matter, the old Captain America comics, you know, from the forties. So uh, good yeah. stuff. Yeah. I mean, this is like one of those, you know, I, I, I was talking about it on the group today uh, that I, I had picked up a volume of, of cap stories that would be appropriate for my, for my son, who's 11, right. Mm -hmm. Something that he could read and he could understand and, yeah, it just doesn't get too complicated, uh, too too many adult complex themes, you know, too many adult emotions, that sort of stuff. And this is this this is one of those books that I, you know, I feel like my kid could read and get oh, a yeah. lot out of, you know, and have fun with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, definitely an all ages type of st uh, yeah. story as well. Uh, and um, and evergreen. I think you know you can go back and read this anytime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm still loving it.
So, Bob, you know, uh, one of the things that we we say in our podcast, uh, if you were to go and um, read uh, how we describe the the podcast um, on any of the podcast uh, places you listen to, uh, it says, explore the adventures of Captain America comic books, both past and present uh, with Rick and Bob, right? Well, we've been doing nothing but the past. It's about time we get into the present, don't you think? You know, I think that is a uh, it's a great idea. You can't just live in the past, man. Right. So there's a pretty cool story out right now, uh, starring one of Captain America's um, longtime uh, side characters, right? Uh, by uh, John Walker, who was at a time um, the replacement Captain America. And then uh, when Steve took it back, he became a character called U.S. Agent. And so um, there's a miniseries out right now. And uh, it is, um, it's uh, written by uh, Christopher Priest, uh, who's a great writer. Um, and uh, wasn't he the guy who wrote um, that short-lived Captain America and the Falcon series? It was, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so he has, he certainly... He's no uh, stranger to the Captain America family. Um, and it's uh, art by Georges Genty. Um, and uh, for those who um, may not know Georges, uh, I actually know him uh, from uh, back in the days when I had my store. Um, he, uh, he actually came to my store a couple times uh, to do uh, a book signing. Um, super nice guy. Uh, back then, he was doing... Um, uh, some Deadpool uh, and um, I think the first time and, and Gambit. Um, and then the second time he uh, came on uh, it was the launch of the Dark Horse Buffy the Vampire Slayer series, um, which he had spent uh, quite some time on. So he's uh, he's uh, uh, he's been around for a while. Uh, and so he's doing some really good work on the uh, the U.S. Agent miniseries. So we're going to have him on the show so we can uh, talk with him uh, about uh, the U.S. Agent miniseries. I'm looking forward to this. I've uh, I started reading that series and it's it's uh, fans of U.S. Agent have have given it rave reviews. So. Um, uh, so I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Yep. So that will be next episode, uh, episode 17. And I'm looking forward to that as well. It'll be a nice change of pace. OK, so. Bob, I think that wraps up the show, unless you've got anything else. No, sir. I think that, uh, that was great. And I'm going to sleep good tonight, man. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to dream bat in caps. All right, Bob. Well, as always, I had a lot of fun wrapping cap with you. Always a blast, my friend. Okay. I'm Rick Verbonis. He's Bob Lucius. And you've been listening to the Captain America comic book fans podcast. 